Hello everybody, thank you very much for downloading this episode of the Cinema Catch-Up Club. For more information, you can visit the Cinema Catch-Up Club's official Facebook page. Just search for the Cinema Catch-Up Club. Or you can visit our website, thoughtjarproductions.com. This podcast is available on iTunes and SoundCloud, and we would really appreciate your subscriptions there, so pick your service of choice. For more information about this and other podcasts we produce, please visit thoughtjarproductions.com. And now, for this week's episode. Hello everybody, and welcome to the Cinema Catch-Up Club. I'm your host, Stephen Platt. Thank you very much for downloading this week's episode. This week... We're going back to the 1970s to go back to the 1950s because it's the 40th anniversary of Grease, the musical, the film. Joining me to review Grease, we have, as always, someone who has seen the film and someone who has not. Our guest who has not seen the film and returning to the podcast after, um, I think it's been like six months and we're rectifying this right now. It's Mr. David Cox. Hello. How are you, David? I'm I'm good. I'm a bit tired, but how are you? I'm I'm very well. Uh, just a reminder for the folks at home: who are you, David, and what do you do? I'm a freelance videographer slash photographer. Do lots of theatre and film and wedding stuff. Of those different uh, subsets, what is your favourite thing to film? I really enjoy weddings, mm. um, which is the closest I get to Greece-related media. <laughs> Mm. In that at receptions, when uh, one of the songs comes in, mm. um, I only know one Greece song, um, everyone starts dancing to it. What is the Greece song that you know? Sometimes it's the mega mix and then you get all the songs mashed together. Oh, yeah. Good point. Um, oh, gosh. I can't remember the lyrics now. Um, is it? Grease Lightning. Grease Lightning. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. <laughs> With some of the most gratuitous li- lyrics mm. in there. Yes, yes. So you've never seen Grease? No. Um, but you, you've been exposed to it via just being to a sheer amount of weddings <laughs> that you've at least heard some of the songs. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, a quick side note. I have never seen The Godfather, but I can definitely identify the theme song because the amount of Italian weddings I've <laughs> gone to. <laughs> and they play it as the father of the bride comes up to give his speech. Oh, yeah. Amazing. That's fantastic. Um, okay, well, joining us as our guest who has seen Greece. Uh, it is Tegan Mulvaney. Hi, Hello. Tegan. Hi. How you been? I'm good. I have um, a very nice husky voice, so this will be fun. Yes. Uh, how, how come you have a husky voice? Uh, a night of dancing at a bogan ball, I think, might have culminated in this voice. Mm. Um, but it's good. I'm going to roll with it. It's going to be great. Yeah, well, it's sounding good so far. And awesome. you have seen Grease. I have. Um, do you like Grease? That's probably the first thing we should start with. Uh, I do like Grease. I like Grease 2 better. Okay. Um, controversial, th- but... That, that is interesting, because I've heard this from a few people. I've yep. never seen Grease 2. All I know is that's the one... be the follow-up yeah, podcast, maybe. <laughs> because it's not the same two in it, though, is it? No. It's uh, not Olivia Newton-John and John Travolta. It's Michelle Pfeiffer? It's Michelle Pfeiffer and yeah. Maxwell Caulfield. Is that his actual name, or is that his Empire Records name? I don't know. I can't I, remember. I just know it's the not John Travolta. That's, yeah. the, that's the thing. So, um, okay, Without, in a sort of vague, non-spoilery sort of way... What is it that you prefer about Grease 2 to Grease 1? 
Um, Grease 2 is like, you know when a film is terrible that it's brilliant? Mm. Grease 2 really just reeks of that brilliance. Um, Also, I personally think that uh, the moral message at the end of the movie is uh, better. That's interesting because a few people I know who have said that they prefer Grease 2 to Grease 1 say the same thing. Yeah. Um, And without having seen Grease 2... I can sort of see why having seen Greece one, uh, because yeah, it's 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 an interesting message, which um, which I'm sure we'll get into as we go. Just trying totally. not to say too much to spoil it for Dave. No, that's here. right. I'm sure we'll talk about it later. It's but it's a it fascinates me like in films that like pop culture films that people love when they then there's like a glaringly horrible like message at the end where they're like isn't this beautiful and you're like no that's creepy that's really mm. bad like shrek comes to mind for me where shrek is like you know at the end of shrek where he kisses princess fiona and she turns into an ogre and it's like ugly people can only love ugly people i feel like that's what it's saying and everyone's like no her true self is beauty she's beautiful on the inside but like we can cut this no 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 <laughs> no i think this is really interesting because you know, i'd never thought of that about shrek you know what I, but you know what i mean like that's um and i feel like grace falls into that same category a little bit where there's romance and there's you know fun and there's music but then it's like oh there's a lot a, there's, yeah there's, there's a, a lot to unpack <laughs> there's a lot more connections between Greece and Shrek than I first realized <laughs> I'm just thinking about they've both got a pink lady <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> there's yeah there's there's a few there Okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna write down as many as I can think as we watch this film. Uh, speaking of which, we should probably get into it. Uh, do you guys want to watch Greece? Yeah, we do. Yeah, okay. <laughs> While we're here, for those of you listening at home, popping your DVDs and get into your drag races with the totally legal spike sticking out the side as we prepare to watch Greece. Welcome back. We have just finished watching Greece, and I'm joined by my guest Tegan Mulvaney. Hello. And David Cox. Hello. So, David, that was your first time watching Greece. Yes. What did you think? That was an experience. <laughs> it it sure was. I, uh, it, I'll, I'm, I must confess, I don't think I've had as much fun watching somebody watching a film <laughs> in this entire series as I have watching David just react so beautifully <laughs> to Greece. Yeah, there were just some moments I'm like, what, what, what? <laughs> you had a yeah. verbal reaction to tell me about it, stud. That mm. was, because it's yeah. so ingrained in like, you know, like what I know of pop, like pop culture about that. It was mm. so exciting to see that moment with someone who hadn't yeah. seen that moment before. It was awesome. And um, your, your reaction, David, was to just sort of laugh quite a lot. <laughs> It was bizarre. Mm. It was a very bizarre... So it read as a very bizarre moment for you at the end, Sandy coming out all, all dressed in all the leather and smoking a cigarette and having the, 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 the bad girl voice, that kind of thing. Yeah. Um, the earlier I did say I only knew like one or two songs. I do actually knew... I, I, knew, I, I know that song. Oh, the... Um, I yeah, just the one that I want. Context. Yeah. Oh, that one. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, no, as it, it, you've probably encountered a Grease Megamix in your life. That's what, that's what this is telling <laughs> yes. me. Just yep. all those uh, all those hit songs all thrown together. Um, Tegan, when did you last watch this film? Um, probably a couple of years ago. I have seen this film, I can comfortably say, over 50 times, I mm. reckon. 
Like, but you know, when it gets to that point, it's like, it's either 50 or a hundred. Yeah. I've probably seen it because I've been, been watching it since I was tiny, tiny kid. Mm. Um, I feel like as I get older and I realize how young I was when I first watched this film, like it seems to be, I reckon most people like our age probably have this experience. Maybe, maybe females in particular where we all watched this film as a kid, but it's not a kid's film. No. It's funny, but it's not a kid's film. Yeah. Um, I I, I mean, I can remember um, because my mum, who will be listening because she loves this film and hopefully me as well. Hi, mum. She she used to watch this film quite a lot. Um, I remember when I was younger, usually um, if we were decorating, like if wallpaper was going up or painting was happening or or, or whatever, uh, there was it was Elvis Presley films. Grease, Dirty Dancing, like it was those sorts Good of films. She's oh, got yeah. taste. She does have taste. Imp- impeccable. How many times did you wallpaper your house? Uh, we we moved a lot. That's that's more <laughs> okay. what it is. It wasn't just okay. like every week. Nope, change my mind. It wasn't like I feel like an Elvis film. Let's move. <laughs> Go decorate another room. No, no. She she she. Sometimes we would watch it without decorating. Uh, but yeah, she um she was a big fan of Grease, and so my memories of Grease are all from just seeing like snippets of it I've, I've definitely watched it the whole way through a couple of times but it's more those snippets that that stay more strongly with me and it, and it is the songs which stand out mm. and um i i found watching this it's because it's been a long time i i it, it's it's not a good film to start off with it's quite not ponderous but just very um it has it hasn't got really got the pace that that it accumulates once you once danny and sandy meet again um, once they meet again, then there's like, okay, there's something happening here. It sort of just lulls about in the first 20 minutes. Um, kind of just, I, I suppose, world building and setting the scene. Mm. But but it just felt a bit ponderous to me this time. But I do love how they set up their relationship right at the start with that, you know, where they're on the beach and that first little scene. Mm. I think that's so clever. So you don't have to add that exposition later on. You've just got this one little snippet of mm-hmm. about a minute yeah. of them in their romance. And then that line, mm-hmm. is this the end? No, it's just the beginning. That's super cool. Yeah. Recreating from here to eternity in the opening. Yeah. Day, it it's was awesome. I mean, I, I think it worked as a new viewer, David, did it, did that device work for you? The prologue. Yeah. Yeah. Just setting up that relationship. Um, okay. So, here, okay. This is interesting. Cause You've you've never seen this film. What what do you think of Danny, Danny Zuko? This you know who's a reasonably iconic character. Like, what do you think of him as a character? He's a douchebag. He is a douchebag, isn't he? <laughs> he's, just, he's he's terrible. Does he? I mean, does he have any redeeming qualities? Um, I mean, he does put effort into trying to be likable. Mm. And it's like I'll I'll do track for you. I mean, there's a a series of mishaps mm. just demonstrating how bad he is. By mishaps, I mean assault. Yeah. <laughs> like, oh, and he... but then he sings about it. Yeah, it's fine. His his solution to all of his sporting problems is oh, I'll just punch the guy in the stomach <laughs> or flick his uh, baseball mask in his face. Yeah, I. Yeah, he's a look. You know, Did they not have boxing as a as a sport for children back in the day. Um, I, well, no, they had the wrestling, school, but they, yeah, the wrestling there. Yeah, the wrestling. You know, it's like a safer version of boxing. Um, except he couldn't do it, and so he just punched that guy in the stomach because <laughs> that's what Danny Zuko does. And yeah, it's it is an interesting one because going back to that character, I mean, he's. 
I think it's slightly difficult because they're meant to be playing like teenagers and they don't look like teenagers. They look like a bunch of actors in their late 20s and early 30s, which they were. Um, But, and I I do think that slightly colours it because I think Danny is meant to be just a young idiot, really. And um, I think John Travolta does a good job of it, but I do feel that in hiring older performers, you lose some of that innocence that you've maybe have just naturally seeing somebody that age making those kind of mistakes you know assaulting people in sporting matches that kind of thing like yeah it's um i don't know i watched it that time wondering like how self-aware the film was i like to think that it is very self-aware um just with like the you know there's so much like questionable (laughs) content that they deal with Mm. and about if it you know and i think if someone from the 70s looking back on that and is uh, on that sort of time and that sort of idea of how these how high school might have been in an in an imaginative you know adding a bit more imagination to it um i don't mind that it's older people because i feel like it's it helps build a you don't want it to be too realistic because of what they're trying to poke um, poke fun at yeah. and um, like the example I can think of is when they're in the drive-in mm. and Danny gives Olivia gives um, Sandy his ring and then basically tries to assault her you know in the car mm. and then sings about it like what happened like mm. I thought we were getting along so well like I, yeah. I feel it's like for me that I'd like to. I'd like to think of that as a um, a comment on how messy the world, like how yeah, messy their perceptions are, not just like a hideous um, oversight. Yeah. So you'd prefer to see it as Danny uh, is in, in a society where obviously it's it's fifties America. So they yeah. There's no none of this conversation of like talking to boys how to how to treat other people and how to treat um, girls and like he's essentially trying to figure this out for himself yeah. and he's going. Oh well, you know, I've given her the ring, which is what you meant to do. So now that means that, like, I can totally like touch her boobs or, yeah, or whatever it is. Because in that world, that possibly did mean that. Yeah, and then when and then when she reacts negative to that and runs off, he has that lamenting song, and it's him going, "What happened? I, I don't understand." As a, as opposed to the alternative, which is, "I'm a creepy dude that yeah. wants to touch your boobs. Oh, it didn't work. Sad, Danny." Look, that would still sound beautiful with a dancing hot dog in the background. I love I the dancing hot dog in the background. I know, right? Yeah. Uh, it was just flipping around on the spot, jumped in the bun at the end. It was like some some some, some like Freudian messages in the background there. <laughs> David, what did you make of Sandy? Uh, you know, uh, Sandy, who was from Sydney, Australia. Oh, she was lovely. She was quite nice. Oh, she's the kind of gal that you'd introduce to your grandma. And yeah. then they'd just sit down and have some tea and, and biscuits. Hmm. Yeah, she was a bit of a nothing <laughs> character in a lot of respects, though. In, in, in the... She, yeah, I mean, obviously she's she's perfectly nice and she moves to this new country, but we don't really see much of that in terms of like, you know, like the cultural differences between 1950s Australia and 1950s America, for example. Mm. Olivia Newton-John is great in, the, in this. But I also feel as though Sandy, I think certainly compared to some of the other characters like Rizzo or Frenchie, who are these like quite big characters, mm. I almost feel she gets a little bit lost in certain points in this film. I, yeah, she's definitely more subtle. Like, there's more subtlety to her. I think I don't. I think I was, this was an oversight until. I, like, good thing about watching films again in this podcast, being the person that's watched them, 
is you really watch the film. Mm. I feel like I did that then because there were things in these scenes that I have seen Sandy in 50 to 100 times now that I was like, I think there's so much more depth to your character that they've actually given her. Mm. Things like where they're at the jukebox and she's deliberately playing this poor jock guy off against Danny Zuko. Like Mm. there are things about her that make her not just like a one-dimensional you know, damsel in distress sort yeah. of virginal character. But it's on like a first viewing, you might not get that. Exactly, yeah. yeah. And the, the more you go, and even even after the dance when they're all, you know, she's all pissed off because he's went and danced with Cha-Cha, and, but she's still at the drive-in with him after, mm. you know, like it's still, she's she's kind of figuring her her own world out and her, mm. own, sh- and her own shit out, I think, like yeah. in there as well. Um, but I never no- really noticed that until this time around. Speaking of things we didn't uh, notice previous times, uh, <laughs> pensive, lonely guy. In, in, wella, wella, wella. Look at the guy in the background. <laughs> yeah, in that in that opening, uh, well, not the opening number, because the Some opening 11. number was uh, Greece is the time, it's the place, it's the word. Um, it's... Yeah, in summer loving, when you've got obviously all the all the guys in the, in the bleachers dancing around and in their hop steps and kind of just <laughs> looking at people's skirts, which we'll get to, uh, and and then you've got all the the girls in the in the cafeteria area doing their dance bit. There's just this one guy in the cafeteria, yeah. just like sat like David's the thinker, but in like fifties get up, yeah. just sat there, not reacting to the fact there's a musical number happening in the background, and I'd never seen that before. I feel like he was an extra who got his day wrong. Like yeah. He thought he was meant to come. I've got to come during the dance number. All right, yeah. during the dance number. He was like, no, you're in the male dance number, mate. You're on the, the, the chicks one. Like, oh, what, what, what do I do? Just just sit there and <sighs> think Look, about... Look, he's come all this way. Yeah. We must just put him in the background. Yeah. <laughs> just give him his moment. He just sits there just grumpily. Got the wrong day. But yeah, it, I mean, it was weird. It was a weird moment in plenty of weird moments in this film. Um, and uh, as, as David pointed out, as we're watching, plenty of uncomfortable moments. Um, so creepy. Quite a few. I mean, I mentioned the the one of the T-birds, like, just lying on the floor looking up a, a girl's skirt or two girls' skirts and not really getting reprimanded for that. No. Like the, he gets squirted playfully. Ha, ha, ha. Boys be boys. Yes. And it was also like, you know, the girls who he was doing it to kind of just went, oh, and like walked off as opposed to going, oi. Pervert, don't do that, <laughs> you, you piece of <laughs> Get out of here, which is, you know, the acceptable way to respond. But that's why I wonder if it's kind of holding a microscope up to maybe what it was like. I mean, we, as, like, even in high school in the 90s, that's what happened in the 90s to chicks in high school, like mm. at, at my school, at least. We didn't have... Um, car races at Thunder Road, but there were knife fights in front of the Coke machine. Really? <laughs> like, yeah. Where did you go to school? I went to Linwood Senior High School, which uh, is a much better school now with a much, much better uh, credibility rating. Mm, but yeah. What a but wonderful way then, not to get sued. <laughs> yeah. Well, no, no, no. Disclaimer, it, it, disclaimer. It's not a disclaimer. You saw a knife fight in front of a Coke machine. I sure did. Not a Pepsi machine. No, though. and then they took our Coke machine away. It was <laughs> devastating. It was causing the fights. <laughs> it was so devastating. <laughs> it was dispensing knives. It was weird. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, um, but yeah, there's a lot of moments in this film where you're like, okay, even like even because I, I agree with like I, I like to think that the people that were making this film and, and the original musical it was based on were commenting on the previous generation and yeah. the way that they behaved and like the, you know the 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 sexual politics that were there the and toxic things. masculinity like is laden through this film. Yeah. I want I just had a thought. There's so many um, 
you know, a huge uh, number of uh, people that worked on the film and on the musical were um, were were gay. Mm. Um, were gay men, so I don't know. Maybe that's you know, maybe it was a, a way of commenting on um, their experiences with toxic masculinity. Maybe mm. like th- again, there's those there's that beautiful scene between just before Thunder Road with Kaniki and Zuko, where they're they're actually being bros for a mm. moment. They're actually like connecting. It's so cute and so sweet. And then they have to break out of it really, really yeah. quickly. And they both comb their hair at the same time. They, yeah, just it's like... just so great. Mm. I just, these are the things that I saw today because I wasn't just singing along with the with the songs mm. that I went, I, I think this film is cleverer than we give it credit for. Mm. Because if it's not, it's a really uh, offensive film. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? Like if yeah. it's, so I'm, I'm choosing to believe that that's what they've done. Mm. I think there's enough to back evidence to back that up because yeah. if it's not, we shouldn't be letting kids do this for their high school productions in, no. a, in Catholic schools. And it, it it is an interesting one. Like a lo- one of the main criticisms of this film is is at the end, Sandy goes bad, goes yeah, rogue. That, for the Shrek thing. Yeah, yeah. yeah well, yeah, the Sh- uh, yeah the Shrek thing you were saying. Yeah, yeah um, about. In fact, she goes bad for for Danny. But the the point that the people who made the original show were saying that they were taking the mick out of all these fifties things, where like it was like the James Dean bad boy went good at the end, yeah. And which is what Danny does in this film. You know, he's there, he's looking all good in his Letterman jacket and saying, you know, oh, you a jock now, you know, all that yeah. stuff. And it's funny that obviously he's made that change to, to good and she's made that change to bad. And that's when they really connect. Where it, but that's where they start singing, you're the yeah. one that I want. And that's what I mean by like the, the things that I didn't notice before, like her at the jukebox. Like she's, she's, a, she's being a bitch. She's mm. playing that guy. Mm. With, I can't remember his name. Oh, with the he's, pity his brains, rid his biceps. Yeah, that, that guy. guy. Yeah. yeah, she's totally... And then when, they, when he's running on the track and she's like, Danny, and she runs after him and they, mm. they're totally teasing him. So she's got that in her as well. They, you know, they, you kind of, when they're together, they are themselves. They yeah. get to be themselves, which is quite lovely. Because mm. I, I, yeah, in this viewing, I was like, well, actually, why wouldn't she choose? Maybe she, she's made that choice, not through pressure, but she's made it off her own back, which That's is true. pretty empowering. Yeah. Yeah. I so don't know. Therefore, that... Shrek is still a worse movie than mm. Grease. Oh, uh, well, I mean, <laughs> maybe. I did, this film didn't have uh, any Smash Mouth in it, which was very disappointing. Oh, that's true. Um, speaking of uh, connections between those two films, uh, there's a giant pink lady in Shrek with the, the dragon. There's a whole bunch of pink ladies in this film, including <laughs> um, Rizzo, as played by um, Stockard Channing, who I... She's the oldest. She's the oldest. She's 33, yeah. I think, when they yeah. film this. She's fantastic. Mm. Um, that's one of the things that I guess as uh, having not watched this for so long previously it was just you now very focused on those main characters on danny on on sandy but in terms of like the the ensemble i really i think rizzo's the most interesting character in this yeah. story you know she's she's a reasonably strong character but she and she plays people off each other very obviously but she's also like she gets hurt uh, by, by, oh, the, yeah. by the you know the possible uh you know the rumors going around that she might be pregnant uh, it's, That's why yeah. I feel like, again, she's kind of representing Kaniki as well, I mm. think. They're representing 
what was really happening in 50s America with, you know, with you know, teenage pregnancies and sexuality and the, you know, before the sexual revolution of the 60s and this sort of stuff, they're kind of like, I feel like they represent more of the reality Mm. Whereas the others represent the pastiche of what it yeah. what it could be. Well, I mean, they were the fantasy. They literally fly off in a car exactly. at the end. Whereas, you know, they're, yeah, it was Kinnicky and Rizzo. They do get together, but, they, you know, they stay on the ground and just make out at the carnival and have a, yeah. you know, a fumble in the summer. That's that's more realistic. Because to... she's not pregnant and that's the best news ever. Yeah. <laughs> so that brings them together. <laughs> yeah. and But I quite like that honesty as Absolutely. well. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah, it's beautiful. It's actually quite beautiful. Did you did you have any characters you liked in terms of the side characters, Dave? Yes. <laughs> I just don't know names. Um, okay, describe. I mean, Rizzo is good. Rizzo was yeah. pretty good, yeah. Like I, the, I really like the way when she introduces, reunites Sandy and Zuko, and then that lingering stare that mm. she has oh, is so like, good. that's right. I have engineered this. Yeah, the fifties Cersei and you, Lannister. And you did exactly what I thought you were going to do as well. Like get that look of I knew you were going to do that to her. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she's got a like fifties Cersei Lannister vibe. It's it's kind of great. <laughs> I mean, it is really unfortunate that she then starts like she she has like what two songs. One is mocking Sandy, and the other mm. one is her being hurt. And the mocking Sandy bit, I was like, oh, oh no. You you didn't like the mocking of uh, Sandy? No, I mean that's 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 not nice. No, it's just because but, but just because then... she doesn't want to sleep around and she's different from you. It's like but it's... then there's that really lovely moment before the um sad song. Where the, the, there are worse things I could do, where Sandy's the only one who talks to Rizzo. You know, she sings this whole song about her having been so moral, but then everyone else is treating Rizzo horribly because she's, they think she's pregnant and they're knocked up. And then Sandy's the only one who says, hi, are you okay? Yeah, there's the, the the girl that um is like running for like Patty the class. Patty Simcox. Yes, thank you. Yeah. I knew you'd the name. Um, <laughs> yeah, Patty's there going like, that's the one I told you about. Yeah. I'm a total bitch, that kind of thing. Yeah, and yeah, you're right. There's that lovely connection there. This is so, it's so much deeper than I ever gave it credit for. It's <laughs> yeah. amazing. Um, a few other moments. I, I mean, I, I, when I was younger, always quite liked Frenchie as a character just because Frenchie is so positive and at one point her hair's pink and um <laughs> she's just like an easter egg <laughs> she's really lovely and she also has um the the teen angel yeah. song happen um which I think was another one of those moments where you were questioning what was happening on screen yeah David. that was because a lot of this movie is like admittedly like reasonable mm. it's just every now and again it just like dips upward being like let's just get a little surreal right now mm. and that was one of those moments where i'm like what is happening you, you it, it didn't make perfect sense that frankie avalon and a whole bunch of um <laughs> dancing ladies in hairdressing curlers. with curlers in would do a song called <laughs> teen angel teen angel i mean it was definitely very fun it was just unexpected for her to just suddenly have a musical number where some teen heartthrob decides to just be like go back to school <laughs> give up on your on this particular dream mm. you, your customers are hookers so uh <laughs> i thought it was quite a nice like positive message though like i'm all for people going back into education and, and going through that and also she'd gone to the beauty college and it wasn't working yeah. for her and yeah i thought it was like a nice positive um, a bit of affirmation, albeit delivered in a way that, as we were saying while we were watching it, 
that would be David Hasselhoff today. If that film was, I mean, that was Dave. If if anyone's seeing um, Guardians of the Galaxy two, David Hasselhoff kind of literally does this yeah. in that film, just with with less singing. It's yeah, it's it's that kind of um, yeah. It was just it was yeah right. It's bizarre, but it's also. Well, they talk about it before. She's talking to Vi about it, and they're talking about, you know, in the films when they have, someone has a guardian angel who always comes in. So they kind of set it up, but it's just, I love that they're just like, all right, well, we'll just make it happen then. You can, Mm. if you want it, you can get it. It's kind of cute. There's the big dance contest, which I'll be honest, most of the time while I was watching it, I was wishing I was watching Back to the Future because (laughs) that's a better 50s dance ball, (laughs) to be honest, in, in my mind. There's, there's time travel. Yeah. I mean, it's always going to win true. for me. Uh, but I mean, this one was fun, though. You know, lots of jumping around and dancing. And, uh, you know, uh, Crater Face, the leader of the Scorpions, is there. And he's dancing with Rizzo. And Kaniki's not happy about it. And, yeah, it's... He gets the cha-cha. Oh, yeah. And then, yeah, cha-cha. That, oh, she steals Danny. And Sandy gets <laughs> upset. And I'm like, no, you can't upset Sandy. How dare you, cha-cha? Get out of there. <laughs> you slurry. What are you doing? <laughs> so, yeah. How dare you? Mm. But, yeah, it's, it's, it's fun. But... It, I, I do feel as though, and I think it's partly because obviously it's a musical which has been adapted into a, a film, and I do feel this is a problem with some musicals. They're just not good stories. The, 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 in terms of like the, the narrative structure, there's, there's kind of not a lot there. It's a bit, and then this happened, and then this happened, and then this happened. And it's more just kind of like links to get to songs. And I'm not always necessarily a fan of that. I, I think it's why certain filmic adaptions of musicals suffer because what works on the stage as a musical, you're already sat there trying to suspend your disbelief as an audience member there. Whereas with a film, I I, I, I don't know, but for me at least, I, I sort of feel as though it's harder to, to accept that. Like if the story's kind of just not happening, it kind of just becomes a bit eh. And at this point, I, I just found this point in the film a bit flat. Like, you've got um, Vince Fontaine turning up, and he's just an older guy who's hitting on a bunch of high school girls. And it's like, I don't really want to see that as a, as a viewer. It's kind of not fun. Mm, yeah, that was my main focus, being like, ah, oh, this is a new form of creepy. Yeah. We're just, we're just going to, like, a checklist of creepy things to put in this film. Yeah. And... Older guy hitting on high schoolers is... We did that one. Yeah, he's he's basically Patrick Swayze and Donnie Darko. It's just like... It, it was that vibe it was getting. It was like, ugh. No, thank you. Yeah. Yeah. I guess so. I mean, I... Again, I think they're trying to portray things that probably happened in mm. the fifth... Like, but trying to do it through a comic eye. So... It's... Yeah. It's hard to... Because we're not only we're looking at a, a film from the seventies. We're in the we're in the we're in twenty eighteen. Looking mm-hmm. at a film from the seventies that's looking at the way things were in the fifties through the eyes of music musicals mm-hmm. um, and kind of uh, post I guess a postmodern look on how it mm-hmm. is. So I wonder why that that choice was made and if he was based on a cat. Because a lot of that you know there are a lot of them are all based on. Mm people from those times yeah i mean look i mean given all the you know uh, revelations that we've had about people in the entertainment industry mm. in the last oof, 10 years let's just say um yeah, yeah it, it's one of those things where you look at it and you're like that's kind of gross and completely completely understandable now 
it's and, and also again going back to like like how alarming the content is but how they've dealt with it like mm. when marty goes i found i caught vince putting aspirin in my coke like like she says that later on mm. and and she's so blase about it and it's like like if you if that was in a film now mm. <laughs> you'd be like oh my god that's yeah. How dare you put that in a film? So there must be like there must be reasons why they have these characters mm. and plot lines in this film. Like it almost makes it really ahead of its time. Do yeah. you know what I mean? Like yeah, I, 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 it's just tricky because I'm at, I'm, at a, I'm at a real crossroads in terms of like trying to evaluate this film because it's not a great film, but at the same time it's a brilliant film mm. and. Like, like we we were saying while watching it, it's quite well shot. Oh yeah, it's super pretty. Like, I wish I could like screen cap a bunch of moments and be like, yes, mm. like sh- this is inspiration for like further projects. Like, there's such good depth, there's such good lighting. Like the the end of that dance scene, um, for like the dance competition where everyone just like s- comes together like all of a sudden. That is so well choreographed yeah. and beautiful. Mm. And ah, uh, there's just so many moments. Like, even when he's like singing a sad song about, oh, she turned me down when I tried to assault her. Oh. Mm. Um, and it's <laughs> like, that's really beautiful. Yeah. And it- it's a surreal experience because I'm like, I really don't like what you did. It's weird that you're singing this. Why is there a dancing cartoon Part in the up. background of what it should be a sad moment? Mm. Like, that's brilliant. It's almost as though they're sort of like poking fun at like essentially him being, oh, I didn't get to do what I want. Huh, I'm going to have to reevaluate my situation. And in the meanwhile, you've just got dancing movie, like let's all go to the lobby stuff in the background. It, it could be subtly brilliant uh, in That's, that in that sense. I think it, yeah. I mean, I want to know why you think it's a bad film because <sighs> I'm looking at like, it's a total intrigue. It's not a. I'm mm. not here to yeah. you know, assault fight, you, Zuko fight, style. Fight. <laughs> <laughs> because I think it's got a really slick script. Mm. I think it's got incredible performances. It's got a beautiful ensemble cast. The music is amazing, and the storyline I think runs deeper. I I would argue that yes, at the surface, it's a very it's a boy meets girl, mm. boy loses girl, boy gets girl back storyline. But you're looking at the dynamics of of fifties America mm. and also um, like sexuality and masculinity in that time. I would say that, like, I, I agree with all of that, and mm. that's partly, you know, that's partly why I think it's it's a great film. But I, I also think that it it's partly a pacing issue. I think okay. it's it's a terribly paced film. I also think there are no stakes for most of the characters um, beyond, you know, they're in high school, but they finish the film graduating from high school and i i understand obviously you know generally with these dramas you know it's all about being cool or having cred or you know those sorts of things but ultimately i just kind of want them to get over themselves in that sense like with danny it's just grow up yeah in that case like there, there, there is um rizzo has some level of risk she might be pregnant that is genuinely life-altering that's that's mm. that's that's a stake to have yeah. in that but you know they're all talking about like Oh, it's, I failed phys ed. Did I even do phys ed? You know, that kind of thing. It's like nothing in their world ever really affected a lot of these characters. It was all just farting around and having a good time. And I think, obviously, with Greece, that's kind of the point to an extent. It's showing that, you know, oh, it was great 20 years ago when 
we, we're all just drinking Pepsi and not Coke. And we're, you know, we're, <laughs> we're going to Thunder Road and having a drag race where we kind of almost die, but don't, you know. And I, I, I just feel as though it's, it lacks, for me at least, it lacks stakes. It lacks reasons for me as an audience member to potentially be invested. It's got very nice songs, which are fine. You know, they're catchy, they're, they're you know, the boppy. You put them on at a wedding, I'm up, I'm doing it. You know, yeah. that, that that's fine. But I, I almost feel as though it's just... Yeah, it's it's the story. Ultimately, for me, it's it's the story. It's it's a nice story, but that's all it is. And That's fair. Yeah. See, I read that as hmm. it's a... It's made in the 70s. It's a look back on what 50s film versions of the 50s were like in mm. high school, which were not, which would not have been high stakes when you watch like those, like, you know, some of the, probably even some of the Elvis films maybe as well. Oh, this is much better than the Elvis films you <laughs> made me watch. Blue but, Hawaii? Or... But there was no uh, Kissing Cousins. <laughs> uh, or actually, okay, Kissing Cousins, it's bad, but... <laughs> There's two Elvises, and it's quite. It, I I was always. It was my first like experience, like as a kid, of seeing like the same actor playing two playing roles. Two oh my god, Elvis was great. How did he do that? <laughs> but that's where I see. So if it's taking the Mickey out of films mm. from the fifties and what the fi- what the films of the fifties made fifties life out to be, and how wrong it was, then you're not going to have super high stakes mm. because it doesn't represent what it's meant to represent. and so the way to do that is to this and this is why i only i'm only like spitballing after thinking of this like after this viewing this Mm. is not something i've sat on so i could sound like i'm talking utter wank Mm -hmm. but that's what hit me tonight was like well there is a lot bubbling under there there's all of these off-the-cuff comments about horrific things or there's there's the whole pregnancy story there's the whole outcasting of rizzo because she's had sex there's Sandy trying to, you know, like trying to be the person she wants to. She's almost, you know, she's stuck in a world of goody two-shoes as much as Zuko's stuck in a world of um, being cool. You know, mm. and they have to meet somewhere in the middle. Like mm. there's a lot of a lot bubbling under the surface of what is primarily a pretty, you know, dull yeah. boy meets girl story. I feel like um, potentially... If it was turned into like a TV series or mini series, we could have more fleshed out mini arcs for all these little characters. Because like we do get a very good sense of who these people are very quickly. Um, though some of them are just like, "Hey, I'm I'm dude number five. Oh. <laughs> hey, dude number five. I'm dude number four. But you're, no homo. <laughs> but you're right because like even like Jan." is obsessed with being fat. Like, she's a, yeah. she's a bulimic, pretty much. Mm. You know, and Anna, like she's she's stopping herself from eating in certain parts. And it's a joke in the film yeah. where you go, it's not really... Why is this a joke? Like, mm. if it's... You could, if you made a TV series out it'd be, of it. And, it'd be musical Degrassi set in the 50s. Oh, my God, it'd be amazing. It'd be Skins. It'd be Wheels and Joey. Ah, yeah. Love it. It'd be Skins, but it, it, would, it would have to be called... Well, it would have to be called Grease. Yeah. Like, yeah. Uh, but... <laughs> Greasy skin. Greasy skins. <laughs> Get real teenagers. Yeah. I just really want to know what Pensive Lonely Guy was thinking about. That's that's the in-depth oh. character examination I want to see. I just, uh, that was so funny, mm. not actually re- realising that was there. Would you guys like some trivia about yes. Greece? Yes, please. Okay. Uh, Rizzo's hickeys 
were real. Uh, Stockard Channing said in an interview that Jeff Conway insisted on applying them himself. Oh, Jeff. <laughs> yeah. Now, you're a bit of a Jeff Conway fan. Yeah, I, he is heartbreaking. He is one of that. Yeah. He, um, I, I watch a lot of really crap um, reality TV that I shouldn't watch. And one of them was Dr. Drew's Celebrity Rehab. And I, Jeff Conway was on two seasons of that. Um, and he clearly didn't do well by the end of it. The last scene is him back home checking after he checked himself out, bombing a bunch of um, really heavy pain meds and lulling himself off into sleep, which was it was pretty it was pretty interesting to watch on the show because he it was kind of exploitative, but not. It, but to to prove a point, like it wasn't it wasn't there to go check out how messed up these guys are. It was to go well. This is how bad these problems can get if you don't look after yourself. And I just thought he was beautiful. I'd loved him since Pete's Dragon. Mm. He was Shelley Winter's son in Pete's Dragon, for God's sake. Mm. And then he was Kanicki. Yeah, that's that's a, that's a yeah. That's a double blow to uh, your teenage heartthrob. Oh, I know. Yeah. So sad. And he's a good-looking guy in this. He's so hot. Like, yeah. I mean, yeah, a lot of people say, you know, I'm sure... I, I, I've never actually asked my mum about who was her favourite T-bird. I'm going to assume it was Danny Zuko, just because he, he was the lead. Exactly. But, yeah, Kaneki's yeah, a good-looking oh, boy. he's gorgeous. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, he's he's got, he hasn't got the weird chin that... Uh, he's a basement flutter, for sure. He's... I don't know what that is, and I don't want to know. He floods my basement. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, does he flood your basement, David? Sploosh. <laughs> <laughs> Moving on. <laughs> uh, in the stage play, the song Look At Me, I'm Sandra D" had a reference to Sal Miet- uh, Mineo, who was murdered in 1976, so just before this film went into production. Uh, for the movie, the lyric was changed to be a reference to Elvis Presley, who died the day the scene was filmed. Oh, this good. is the curse. It's mm. a cursed film. You were saying there's a Grease film curse. Yeah. Um, what is this curse? Well, you know, we talked about it a little bit and you did you did make quite an apt point of saying, you know, if you live long enough, there's probably going to be some sort of disaster. Mm. In your, but they, um, yeah, there's a whole, if you if you Google, it's pretty, it's pretty depressing, some of the ones. So, but there's even, even in the stage show, there's, um, when they did the, there's a part in, they reckon the stage show is cursed. Everything about Greece is meant to be cursed. So in the stage show, in one of the shows, original shows, um, the car fell through into the orchestra pit and almost, and like busted up Danny and Sandy as well. Ooh. That was one of them. Craterface, um, who is, was apparently like the nicest guy ever. He went on, he got really ill. Um, the producer got really ill. One of the choreographers passed away. Um, and then they go into like talking about the conspiracy theories behind like Olivia Newton John's husband disappearing and John Travolta's son and mm. you know there's a pretty big history of just abnormally weird and horrific things happening to cast members. So obviously like Jeff Conway would Jeff be- Conway, yeah, yeah, that's right. That's it came up when Jeff Conway passed away is when the curse they, they talked about the curse again and mm. it being because that would have been the most recent one. Um Vi, the waitress, she died from leukemia the year after the film was made. Like, just, and that was out of the blue. Like all these, all these really mm. crazy things. So, okay, yeah. But again, it's that thing of well, bad things happen. So, 
Yeah, but but yeah, it yeah, but yeah, even got Elvis. So it's a, it's, I know. a it's a strong curse. Creepy. He was just sat at home on the toilet. On the toilet. Grease curse. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, Grease burgers that yeah, did, that, that, did Elvis. Yeah, yeah, that was the problem. God, the stuff he ate. Yeah, look it up, people. Look up uh, peanut his... butter, bacon, mm. banana sandwiches, pork in a sandwich or something. Yeah, I'm making a face of disgust he... for those at home. <laughs> yeah, David is is not approving of it. He's making a similar face to the one that he was pulling during the drive-in scene, where Danny goes to try and grab um, Sandy shoulder boob. Yeah, yeah, he's grabbing his shoulder like, where's where's the boob? And he's about to like sneeze and be like just reach over mm. just as a reflex i was like this is but oh you david's face bag. watching this he had you know when people are watching horror films through their fingers that is what <laughs> david was doing i kid you not there was a he was just next to me hands that i could just see his eyes like no i can't believe what i'm watching because it's, it's just like oh my goodness this is i've never actually seen anyone like try and attempt this move i just mm. know of it and i'm like this is corny <laughs> and bad and is gonna go so wrong and it did mm. yeah well, you know at, the, at least we saw it went wrong and like that's that's not a move that's gonna work so yeah yeah it's, it's positive in that sense speaking of elvis um he turned down the role of the guardian angel in oh, really? that he was offered it and yet he did not escape the curse <laughs> no that wow. was that was where the curse got him it was like turn me down will you um <laughs> Yeah, um, so when Alan Carr first bought the rights to Greece, he envisioned Elvis. He, he kind of based Danny off Elvis. I keep thinking of Alan Carr, Chatty Man, when we yeah. talk about Alan Carr, and I keep thinking of him being the director. God, that would be very different. Just, 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 just that super annoying voice. Just kind of like, <laughs> oh. yeah, just going, now listen, Danny Zuko has to be a total hottie. Ah! <laughs> yeah, I'm really glad it's not that Alan Carr. Uh, <laughs> David's pulling a similar horrified face at the moment. I, I don't understand. That's okay. It's okay. We'll show you afterwards, and you can not thank us then. Um, hopelessly devoted to you, uh, the song where um, Olivia Newton-John sees Danny Zuko in a paddle pool. <laughs> Just his reflection. Again, genius. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, it was written and recorded after the movie had wrapped. Uh, the producers felt they needed a strong ballad and had Olivia Newton-John come back to film her singing the song. And it ended up receiving an Academy Award nomination. It was the only nomination the film received. But yeah, that was that was a post-shoot idea. But they went, oh, let's do another song. It's written by Australian songwriters as well. They, mm. The guys they brought in to do it were an Aussie. Mm. I had an Aussie songbook and it was next to, like, What About Me? And, and Am I Ever Going to See Your Face Again? And it was mm. hopelessly devoted to you. I was yeah. like, oh. There you go. Oh, there you go. Some gold amidst the uh, the other <laughs> bits. Um, Olivia Newton-John. Okay, Olivia Newton-John's outfit in that final scene where she's dressed bad, like the one she was stitched into. Well, yeah, that's just it. The zipper broke on the mm. pants, so she had to be sewn into the trousers every time they they put them on. Um, Twelve-hour days, and she couldn't wee. Yeah, she couldn't take them off. Yeah, so, I mean, she's basically like, she, she can relate to Tobey Maguire's Spider-Man, basically. <laughs> She'd have made a great Spider-Man. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, it's a very, it's a very distinctive look. Yeah. Did you have any thoughts on, on Sandy's costume in that bit, beyond the absurdity of her being dressed like that? I was, I mostly, like, reacted to, like, the hair. <laughs> that is a look. It, yeah. I just, 
it's just a I was not expecting such a tonal shift in her character. Mm. Yeah, but but that's kind of that's her I'd say well I mean that's what's on all the artwork for mm. things like Grease. It's that. It's not her in her um like yellow and white ensemble that she generally wears when she's at school. It's it's that look that they tend to put on all the posters and things like that. But it is very different from everything else in the film. And, I mean, judging by your reaction, it really works. It is a big shift. <laughs> yeah, I'm amazed at how successfully, like, inadvertently, I have escaped pop culture references to this movie, mm. besides, like, those three songs. Mm. Uh, Grease Lightning was supposed to be sung by Jeff Conway's character, Kaniki, uh, as it is in the stage version. Mm. Uh, John Travolta used his clout to have his character sing it. The director felt it was only right to ask Conway if this was okay. Conway refused at first, but eventually had to give in because the producers were like, no, no, Travolta's singing it because he's John Travolta. Yeah. He's literally just come off Saturday Night Fever. Like, I think there's like less than a two-week turnaround. You were the bad guy in Pete's Dragon. Mm. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I wasn't actually... I didn't want to kill Pete's Dragon. No, you were the baddie. He's Vinnie Barbarino, and you're... (laughs) The bad guy from Pete's Dragon. <laughs> He's getting Grease Lightning. He's getting Grease Lightning. <laughs> Which, yeah, it, it's a great song. We haven't really touched on that song. It's a good song. It's a mm. good song. Mm. It's, I was saying when I was a kid, we, we would sing it at school as part of like assemblies and they would cut the line, you know, they don't know shit, we'll be getting lots of tit. Because mm. they're like, no, you can't say shit. But they'd just replace it with the um, with the second line which is, you know that I ain't bragging, she's a real pussy wagon, because apparently that line is so much better for mm. kids to sing. Yeah. They do it in the mega mix as well. In the mega mix. I pointed at Dave because of the weddings, because it'll be on at yeah. the weddings. Um, yeah. But they, yeah, they replace it in the mega mix with the, you get the pussy wagon line mm. twice. Because fab. No children should watch this movie. <laughs> I like. I remember um, my media teacher put it on at one point in high school, in like year eleven or twelve, I think. And I just didn't bother to watch it. Like mm. I had an opportunity, and I didn't. Mm. Well, we're very glad that you didn't because we got to have that experience. And I'm I just so you glad. got to you got to see me have a range of facial expressions <laughs> that I do not normally have in everyday life. <laughs> I just realized my goddaughter did this as their like whole school um, end of year show a couple of weeks ago. Um, well, like mid year show, not end of year show. So watching it now, I'm pretty hot. It's a Catholic school. I'm pretty amazed. Like, mm. I, I wonder like how much of it got cut. Probably a fair bit. Because well, they were all, they're all like, but from their age, an age from 12 mm. to 17 doing. Doing grace. Yeah. Uh, but you see, Rizzo doesn't use protection and doesn't get an abortion. So. Oh, she's fine. Catholicism. She's fine. Yeah. St. Rizzo. There are worse things she could do. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, At least she confessed. It's fine. Mm. Jeff Conway was very infatuated with Olivia Newton John. Um, so much so that he was tongue tied whenever she was around. He ended up marrying her sister, he did, yeah, Rona, Rona right. Newton John. Yeah, that that's a curious thing. Yeah, that's almost. Um, tell me more. Tell me more. Does she have a friend? <laughs> <laughs> it's just. Yeah, but there, there you go. That was. Um, and um, yeah. Olivia Newton John and Travolta were dating through the whole film, I think, as well. Probably helped with their chemistry, then. Yeah, well, you can see it. They got mm. such. I mean, Travolta's 
chemistry is quite, you know, who knows. This, like, they used to, you know, with other, the rumours about him and, and other men, mm-hmm. you know, perhaps. But you can see the chemistry that they have in the film, I reckon. There's a genuine adoration that they have for one another. Yeah. I, I, I mean, I totally believed it. And yeah. Yeah. I'm, either they're very good actors or they, they really got along or they're yeah. both. Who knows? Yeah. That's it. Mm. That's it. Um, Carrie Fisher was considered for the role of Sandy. Oh, wow. Mm. Um, Randall Kleiser went to the Star Wars uh, Episode Four mixing stage to visit um, his college roommate, George Lucas. Um, and it, um, he was there watching one of the battle scenes being filmed. Um, he saw Fisher, but he couldn't tell if she was right for the part or not. But he was considering offering the role to her. But he ended up keeping looking. But yeah, it could have been... Um, could have been Princess Leia in there. My goodness. Coming out with uh, a perm at the end. <laughs> Two big permy buns on the on the <laughs> side of her head. <laughs> um, the 20 principal background dancers all had names, like character names. Uh, some of those names were Sauce, Bart, Bubba, Midge, and Moose. Awesome. Mm. Moose seems like a very classic... Yeah, nickname. Hey, mm. Moose. I reckon Moose is that guy in the. Did you see the guy in the dance comp who's like, whoa! Whoa! Yeah. It's just they keep cutting back to him and he just mm. does that over and over. It's probably just a loop of him doing that. They do it about four times. Mm. Oh, yeah, this classic I Moose. I reckon he'd be Moose. Classic Moose. Um, during the Thunder Road scene, Annette Charles was in excruciating pain for what turned out to be an ectopic pregnancy. <gasps> That's why Charcher was leaning against the cars so frequently. Oh my god! Yeah, so mm, it's unfortunate, but yeah, they just didn't know. So yeah, yeah, until afterwards. So yeah, you can you can see a woman in great pain in Greece. Woo! Oh. Um, the director Randall Kleiser hated the opening song. He really didn't like it. He felt the lyrics were too dark and cynical for this light fun film he was making. Barry Gibb and the Bee Gees were riding high on the success of Saturday Night Fever, uh, and that's why they were offered to to write this song. Uh, Kleiser, who was a young upstart director, felt he had no clout to ask for changes. He also hated You're the One That I Want because he said, quote, it sounded awful. (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah, I know, for example, um, regular guest Sarah Curtis is not a fan of Grease, the musical. So uh, she'll be very pleased to hear that the director is also not a fan of the music. (laughs) I find that interesting that he didn't like the iconic song that we all know and love. And... There's no trivia about him hating the gibberish song that comes afterwards. Yeah, for me, that's always the one where I'm like, uh, I get that it's, again, it's taking the mick out of those whack, whack, a booger, bam, bam, boo type nonsense songs that you had. But it's not a great song. Um, it's They make it great. They make it great. It's the, but it's the cameras and the, the, sh- the way it's shot and yeah. it's... The performances and the choreo that yeah. make it great. Oh, the choreography is fantastic. Yeah. And it really elevates it. But it's a pretty average, like even for a pastiche song. It's, I it's... feel like that's why they've just chucked it at the end. Yeah. Because I've seen this live, uh, the stage musical of it, and they're all the other way around. They're all in different places, the songs. So they mm. don't do it the way that it's done on stage, um, which totally surprised me when I saw, admittedly, not a great version of it. Mm. Um Irene from Home and Away was the principal in it. She, oh, okay. She's actually really great. She's, okay. She was great. Um, but um, I think Millsy was Teen Angel as well. Rob Mills from um, 
Australian Idol, like okay. the second season or something. So mm-hmm. that's the caliber of the people in okay. it. Um, but I totally was surprised when they were all around the place. So I wonder if they just chucked it at the end because they needed to put it in. Mm. And then they were like, we'll put a flying car in it and then we can forget that it happened. Pretty much, yeah. Everyone will be distracted by the car. <laughs> um, one of the other potential casting ones, this is an interesting one, uh, for the role of the coach. Uh, coach Callahan, Calhoun, whatever. Calhoun. Calhoun, thank you. Coach Calhoun. Um, so Sid Caesar plays the role. One of the people that was approached and indeed originally cast to play the role was Harry Reams from the uh, very infamous pornography film, Deep Throat. Oh, my God. He's the doctor in it. He was the original Coach Calhoun. Wow. Um, Paramount basically came in and uh, they changed it because there were protests over the fact that Reams had previously been in pornography and they were worried about it threatening people going to see this film. Oh, my goodness. But, yeah. He actually would be pretty good. He probably would have been great. funny. Yeah. But, yeah. That would have... A whole new level of the inappropriate factor of yeah. this film. Just because just he was in porn doesn't make him a bad person. And like the character of Coach Calhoun, you know, he's not hitting on high school girls. He's basically just telling Danny Zuko, don't punch people in and the he, stomach. I don't think he'd made a porn before Deep Throat either. Like they, they, got, they, they got them all in as first timers because they were, I, keep, I can't remember, watch that. There's a documentary on it that's amazing. And they talked to him about it and it's... They were all so innocent when they went into making that film, not realising what it was going to be. And it's such a funny film. It's so comical. Like mm. the bits that they were allowed to show of it, they showed on the doco. Mm. And he's hilarious. Yeah. Probably would have been. Cause he just, he was an aspiring actor who mm. then couldn't make films, couldn't, couldn't get an agent. So then went on and they were like, hey, come and do you want to make this one? And turned out to be Deep Throat. Yeah. I mean, his name was Harry Reams. It's nominative determinism. <laughs> uh, working its finest. Uh, chewing gum. There was a lot of chewing gum. Tell me gum. more. Tell me more. <laughs> well, the cast, collectively, over the course of shooting, chewed about 100,000 pieces of gum. On average, 5,000 pieces a day. Oh, my God. I didn't see a lot of gum chewing in the film, though. Like, there's, there's some very obvious stuff, like whether... Bubble gets popped uh, that Frenchie does, um, but Marty's always chewing gum. Yeah, but I, I five thousand pieces a day, is, is a lot. Should have got Wrigley's to sponsor them. Yeah, instead of Pepsi, would have been, been great. <laughs> um, but yeah, that's a lot of gum. Wow. That that, that those chairs and in the school. Oh. Just it'd be, they'd be really high up. It's like, well, why is this chair not straight? You oh. need spittoons everywhere, like gum spittoons. Yeah. Ooh. <laughs> There's an idea I didn't want to think about. <laughs> Again, I am making a face of disgust for <laughs> listeners at home. Speaking of things that may give you disgust, uh, the high school that where this was filmed was right next to a pork plant, so everything smelled of bacon. Oh, good. Well. That's why it's called grease. <laughs> they didn't put anything in their hair. They were just all, that was just all the grease collecting naturally as they walked <laughs> past the pork rendering plant. <laughs> Gross. Uh, It'd be like driving, you know, you drive through East, drive through Fremantle, past the Dussonia plant. Oh, yeah. And you can smell it coming through there. Yeah. Yeah. So, after the success of this first film, um, it was the top grossing musical, uh, well, it is the top grossing musical in the USA today, and it was Mm. the highest grossing film of 1978, uh, Grease was supposed to have three sequels. Um, Grease 2 bombed at the box office, uh, and so those plans were cancelled. Still a great film. 
Mm. In 2002, um, Con, Olivia Newton-John, and John Travolta were all pushing to have a Grease 3 film made. Kylie w- Minogue was going to... They wanted to cast Kylie Minogue, didn't they? Well, it, they were looking at doing it with the original cast. Ah. Like, focusing on them when they were older in the 70s or even maybe even oh, in, in the 90s. Depressing. Uh, movie never got beyond the planning stages. Well, because if you like, you think about like in reality, all of those couples, they'd be so depressed mm. by now. They imagine, or maybe, I don't know, maybe Jan and Potsy. <laughs> Potsy, <laughs> they might be alright. Maybe. <laughs> Here's some catchy songs about divorce. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Give me more, give me more, I want the car. Give me more, give me more, while I'm taking your bra. We are all quite sad. Suicide attempt. Anyway, um, <laughs> Alan Carr, not Chatty Man uh, director, wanted Andy Warhol to play the art teacher. Um, a studio executive said he would not have, quote, that man in the movie, which Carr interpreted as the executive having a personal vendetta against Warhol. Wow. <laughs> but yeah, could have could have could have added something having uh, having Mr. Warhol knocking around. Could've Was been. there an art teacher in this film? Maybe not. Maybe because they couldn't have Andy Warhol. Maybe they just wanted to just, just cut that. Yeah, yeah. The, I. I can remember two teachers. There was the shop teacher. Mm. There was the very irresponsible... Um, <laughs> Who went to Thunder Road. Yeah, Thunder Road teacher. Yeah, you'll be fine. Drag race that guy. The science teacher's the guy running around with the stopwatch. Mm. He's, and then there's... Yeah, maybe they cut the art teacher. Yeah. Just because no Andy Warhol, no art teacher. There's not even an art teacher in Grease 2. Mm. Grease 2, you just got the teacher that sings reproduction to the, to the kids mm. when they learn about sex. Oh, oh! So they didn't. Where does the pollen go? They didn't know buying a a a condom when you were twelve or seven. We're in the seventh grade. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, there are genuinely funny moments in this film. My favorite line is still, "You can't walk out of a (laughs) (laughs) drive-in." It's brilliant. Yeah, it it is a genuinely funny film. Uh, uh, There were many casting changes made during uh, pre-development. At one point. Donny Osmond was going to be the teen angel. Wow. Would have, I, I would have loved that. would have been that. right, actually. Yeah, would have yeah. worked. Um, and, uh, teeth. Not so much teeth. Teeth everywhere, but not just um, Donny. Uh, Marie Osmond was in line to play Sandy. Oh, no. 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 See, Olivia Newton-John is, is, for me, the perfect Sandy. Yeah, she's, in, she's fantastic. Yeah. Like, whilst I'm not necessarily a massive fan of the character, Olivia Newton-John's great. She's so good. Yeah, she's just, yeah, does everything, does it with a plum. And again, like watching it when I was younger, I found her really boring. But watching it as I got, watching her as I get older, I'm like, no, there's actually pretty bloody brilliant in mm. this role. And finally, in the decades following the film's release, a theory circulated <laughs> that Sandy actually drowned at the beach and the rest of the film is a near-death hallucination. Theorists claim the famous flyaway ending in the car is Sandy ascending to heaven. David, what are your thoughts on this? Because <laughs> he says, I saved her life, she nearly drowned in the song right at the start. But and what so, if she didn't? But what if she did drown? What if she did drown? This whole film, the reason it's all heightened reality is because she's hallucinating as the seawater pours into her lungs. Because it was she, the end. She hallucinates like side stories for people she hasn't met yet 
She, they might not exist at all. I mean, yeah. Frenchie? What kind of name is that? She had pink yeah. hair at one yeah. point. Rizzo? It's named for a rat. Yeah. A Muppet. God. Yeah. I, I think this has got some serious credence. Yeah. Her name is Sandy. People <gasps> tend to drown where it's Sandy. <laughs> at the beach. It's very Sandy at the mm. beach. Yeah. And you know what yeah. else is there? Water. Loads of it. <laughs> I, I don't know. Do, do, do you think that theory has any, any credence? I, um, I mean, I do enjoy those absurd fan theories where, like, it's completely reimagined as an alternate universe um so i feel like this one might need a little bit more depth mm. which some of the internet has probably well i mean ri- written it but... had too much depth she drowned that's that yeah. was the problem <laughs> and she wasn't in greece too no she wasn't mm. neither was danny though but mm. no she's not in greece too but i'm pretty sure the guy in it the main i can't remember his name Shame on me is meant to be her cousin from England. So he was visiting for the funeral and then yes. met Michelle Pfeiffer. But Frenchie's in it. So oh, okay. that might just... Be- I'm just trying to... You know how you made that Sandy joke about... I'm like, well, oh, we could do that with all their names. <laughs> well, with... Like, well, Sunny. The beach is Sunny. The beach it was is Sunny. sunny. when they're at the beach. Putsy. Putsy. It was, she's what a putz for yeah. drowning. Yeah. And duty. She's in the duty. You soil yourself when you yeah. die, don't you? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so it makes sense. Mm. Drowny was... was a weird character, <laughs> but made sense. <laughs> there was a moose just like... How, yeah, the, it, was was... Can, it was a Canadian beach. Hmm. I was going to say, how does moose fit into this? <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, with all that in mind, I think we should score the film. And okay. uh, Tegan, we'll start with you. What score would you give Greece out of 10? Uh, I would like to give Greece a nine and a half out of ten. It, I would probably have given it a nine, but all of my little um, revelations tonight that it's deeper than it mm. maybe first appears to be bumps it up a half point. Okay. Um. So I will give it. I didn't think of this. I will give it. Nine and a half pussy wagons out of ten. That's a good amount of pussy wagons. <laughs> um, David, what score would you give Greece? Ooh, um, I'm unsure. I think I'm like, oh, maybe a six, maybe a seven. Like, I'm not entirely sure out of what. Because, um, I mean, there is some funny moments. Like, it is just cheesy and funny. Um, and you talking about... Uh, sorry. Pointing to team. Uh, <laughs> auditory medium. Um, like you dissecting it, I thought was... Gave me more to think about than like my, my initial reaction to the film. Um, and talking about it satirizing the 50s was very interesting. But um, I feel like that is a lens that we as socially conscious adults have to put onto it for it to work in that mm. fashion like not saying that that wasn't the intent but i feel as if um i don't think it succeeds as a didactic film in that sense mm. um mm. especially how like he, he attempts to assault her in the cinema and there's basically no consequences there mm. like she just is like oh I'll just change for him. And mm. she's still like visibly uncomfortable at the start of the musical number. Yeah. Um, it's also like in like, I might be thinking that, but probably, but that's cause I like to delve 
weirdly into things like it's probably not the popular film it is because people are thinking that oh mm. look at you know look at how it satirizes sexual assault they're probably yeah. going oh what a funny film mm. how funny is this you know which is a bit worrying mm. when you mm. think when, the, when maybe things are you know that we, these things are going over our heads because they're we're not we're not aware of them not. i think like looking at it through that critical lens is interesting and perhaps very helpful for viewing the film but at the same time like it's pg and accessible Mm. to a lot of younger audiences who probably wouldn't realize just how like because a lot of things are played off like oh ha ha he's just looking up some girl skirts um and we know that's bad as adults Mm. and teenagers shouldn't watch this adults yeah Mm. So, yeah. yeah, six and a half for you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that's fair. Um, I'm, I'm not going to give it a massive score, but I think it's it's a film that's worth watching. I think it's a fun film, and I, I feel as though a lot of my issues with it are very personal Stephen issues, just with how it's it's put together, as opposed to just it generally being a bad film. Um, so I'm going to give it seven, Kaniki lighters with giant flame. <laughs> out of 10 because that was cool like it was I, I was always worried he was going to set himself on fire with that though that was that was the main thing because it was just every time he used huge, it was it, it was yeah. great just has to refill that like <laughs> after three uses like spends yeah. more money on like propane or butane than he does on cigarettes yeah well you know it was cool to hear you david talk about the like the cinematography and the, you know like the, the shots that they choose and things like that because again like get so caught up in the prettiness of the music and things to actually have someone watch a film and go this this looks beautiful from like you know from that perspective it's makes it's really nice to to go oh yeah it is like you know like do you know what i mean when you like i think that's very cool that if that this film that is so saturated in our you know watching can you can still see those sort of elements in it as mm. I think being it, meticulous. It's not just a run of the mill. They've put so much effort and time and scope into every single part of it. Yeah, I think that's one of the reasons why the film has continued to be popular. And one of the other bits of trivia that um, I, I didn't touch on was the fact that um, on its 20th anniversary, they re-released this in cinemas and it was massively popular. Mm. Um, but when they were when it was coming up to the 20th anniversary, the director rang the paramount studios and said you need to re-release this and the head of the studio said it's funny you say that last week george lucas was in here um and he said that we should do a re-release of it because he just noticed that like um like family friends all their kids were just watching vhs's of of greece like nine ten year olds which again shouldn't be watching it but it was he basically said you know if you if, if you want to be smart and make a bit of money do a 20th anniversary thing because people are watching it and it is one of those films that we've just all latched onto uh, as a society and gone this is a film that people should watch this mm. is a music you know this is a musical that people should watch it's not necessarily a good film in my opinion it's not necessarily a good musical in that sense but it's still it's important yeah whether or not you like this film it is important yeah. and um yeah, it's it's been a fun one to review. It's yeah. What if you you know like the way we look at the behaviours in this film now, mm. 
you know, as being um, unacceptable, what if that was the scope you went in? Like if you showed it to teenagers mm. and you were in like health ed with them in, a, in, a, in school and they were in year 10 and you would go, like ha- could it be used to then go, look at this behaviour, what about this sucks and what about, you know, like... I think you could, but I think the fact that the film offers no negative consequences to a lot of these actions But then you could, issue. maybe could you use that as well and go like... Mm. Nothing bad happens to these characters and this is what they're doing. Mm. I think if there'd been a Grease 3 where they're all divorced and unhappy, you could have shown <laughs> them fair. that and gone, yeah. here are the consequences. I, I think like the clearest um, sign to your case about it satirizing is the musical number after he tries to assault her in the drive-in yeah. where it is a cartoon behind him and yeah. it just really undermines it's, a, it's brilliant, his emotions it? entirely mm. like, you're, like you're completely disconnected from what he's saying yeah, you're, it's you're watching the hot dog surreal. Flip, right. flip flip and fun. that's what i mean like when you when i think to myself well there's a lot of um there's a lot of people in the gay community that worked on this film primarily the a lot of the writers a lot of the um production staff the people who put this thing together were gay men so that sort of masculinity that they probably lived through you know because they would be in you know that age range Mm. the 30s and 40s so they have seen that firsthand but in a as a as a minority you know so i that's that's for me where i go well i i think that's why there's no consequences in this because it and again, maybe this is me putting too much of a 2018 brain on it, but mm. I look back and I go, well, I can't see uh, people of that uh, in that community making a film that's so flippant about this this kind of form of masculinity being okay. Mm. But uh, then you also have to ask the question: Would the film then get made? If in the seventies, if you went, we want to do this, but we want to make it really subversive and focusing on no, these issues, that's right? Yeah, wouldn't, wouldn't be made. I think yeah. that's that's arguably part of the issue. Uh, Tegan and David, thank you very much for joining me on this episode of the Cinema Catch Up Club. You're, You're welcome. welcome. Oh? Jinx. Oh, <laughs> you owe me a Pepsi. <laughs> <laughs> and for those, we have this Coke. Beep. <laughs> Quick, censor it. Um, <laughs> And for those of you listening at home, thank you very much for listening to this episode. If you would like to listen to some of the other episodes that we've done, we can be found on iTunes, SoundCloud, or any other form of podcasting or podcatching service. We can also be found on Facebook, where you can leave comments for films that we should do. Uh, If you want to see us do Dirty Dancing, or indeed Grease 2, leave some comments there, and uh, we might bump it up the list for you. Uh, and of course, uh, we also have our Patreon where you can uh, become an official member of the club and even uh, help make a few extra suggestions, get some extra content, things of that nature. You just have to go to patreon.com forward slash CCUC podcast. But that's all for this week. So until next time, goodbye, everybody. You have been listening to a Thought Jar Productions podcast. For more information, please visit thoughtjarproductions.com. We'll always be together. Yeah, except we won't.
I'm oh. sure they won't be. Like five years from now, no. they're going to be like, remember that guy we went to high school with, uh, Danny Zika? What the, what was his Zika name? Zika virus. Yeah, Danny Zika Danny virus. Zika virus. <laughs> yeah, he was very catchy. hyphenated name now. Yeah, he was very catchy. Uh, 